Conspiracy theories are not exclusively an American thing, though I think many Americans would think they are. Here's a conspiracy theory for you. Americans don't believe that countries that aren't America actually exist. Ha ha. But seriously, there are lots of conspiracy theories in all sorts of different countries all over the world. Here where I live in the Czech Republic, not quite so many, but when you go a little further east, you certainly get a lot of creative approaches towards current events. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. So I'm here today with Mark Baker, a journalist and travel writer who's been living here in Prague for, gosh, over 20 years, I guess, right? More than 20. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, our experiences living here. He's traveled all over um, Central and Eastern Europe, and uh, he has also encountered the side effects and consequences of widespread conspiracy thinking. You leave the world behind and enter a large chamber, filled with boxes and crates as far as the eye can see. Welcome to The Conspiracy Clearinghouse. The podcast that takes a rather skeptical look at conspiracies and mysteries. Each episode will examine various conspiracy theories, most of which are not true, a few of which might be a little bit true, and even a couple that turned out, in fact, to be true. There are many boxes in the clearinghouse, and along the way, we'll look at some mysteries and hoaxes as well. We dare to look behind the curtain that's behind the curtain. I'm your host, Derek DeWitt. Welcome to the Conspiracy Clearinghouse. Hi, Mark. How are you? Hey, hi, Derek. Uh, so, listen, I want to start off. I just read an article that was published on June 23rd uh, called Coronavirus in Bulgaria Conspiracies Theories, because nobody proofread it, and Mass Indifference. It was an op ed piece by Geopolitical Monitor published on EurasiaReview.com. Obviously, right now, the flavor of the month is COVID, or as people lazily call it, coronavirus, as if the, there aren't other coronaviruses. And so they did a, there was a, a trend poll, I guess it's a, an organization organization that asked Bulgarians their opinions about COVID. 43% of Bulgarian adults, according to this poll, say that COVID was manufactured primarily so that pharmaceutical companies can increase their profits. I myself, I have a student, I teach English as well, and I, uh, I have a student who genuinely believes this, not just about COVID, but about every single disease. <laughs> Uh, 25 say 25% say it's just a hoax and it's uh, a successful hoax for whatever reason. 10% say it has something to do with 5G. And weirdly enough, university-educated people tend to believe that more, which is weird, right? Yeah, sure. And then, of course, you've got a little uh, sort of a crockpot full of anti-vaxxer stuff or it's all Bill Gates or this and this and this. The shocking thing really is that it's only 15 to 20%, according to this poll at least, that actually believe that COVID-19 is an actual virus that came out of China and has swept around and that's it. That's a shockingly low number. 
Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been traveling around this region and reporting around this region, and for me, those figures sound extreme. You know, I, I, I would really like to see how Bulgaria in this particular poll compares to other countries yeah. in that region and mm. also outside of Bulgaria, because it's hard to see from these numbers whether this reflects something that's actually happening in Bulgaria or whether it's a regional thing or just as sort of an international phenomenon attached to COVID-19. I mean, I might say, again, without knowing the full details about this survey, and how it compares to other regional countries. I might point out the fact that 30 30 years ago and for the past 40 years before that, when Bulgaria was part of the Eastern Bloc, of course, myth-making, national myth-making, propaganda, journalism was the arm, basically, of the government. You know, So, in a sense, the propagation of myth, truth or conspiracy theory or myth, was you know, simply part of the media landscape there. You know? Sure, sure. I would be very curious to see how that survey result compares to Romania, which is just across the Danube from Bulgaria. Ceausescu, the communist leader, was an especially brutal and, I just kind of want to say stupid, maybe not stupid, venal leader. Uh, I would say, you know, the word totalitarian has the word total in it, and I would say in this regime at least you see that the word total means total control, you know, not just political and economic part of the country, but also total control in the media and the way that the people were thinking, you mm-hmm. know, at least are trying to achieve total control. I mean, getting total control would be, you know, difficult even, you know, in a, in a country like Romania. But no, Romania and Bulgaria do share some things. You're right. They're very different, you know, in that, but and in terms of language and, and culture, but they do have the same church and they were both occupied mm under the Turks, or at least part of Romania was for a certain Mm -hmm. period of time. So yeah, a lot of differences between those two countries, but some similarities. So I would like to see how, you know, how coronavirus and COVID-19 myths compare across, you know, across that border. And I would not be surprised, Derek, to see certain similarities. Really? Yes. Why? Because, Same reasons? Or? Yeah, no, because of the softening up of the mental terrain that totalitarianism created, in a sense, that opened, I mean, really spawned a whole way of uh, of, of, of conspiracy thinking in certain, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it really, conspiracy thinking was the media of the day. But what, my point about Romania, Bulgaria, and other countries in the former Eastern Bloc, including the Czech Republic to a certain degree, when I say that it softened up the mental terrain, in the absence of objective news reporting, Trafficking in conspiracy theories can be a very effective way of manipulating the population because mm. there is no benchmark, there's no standard agreed upon truth, you know, that is fact-based, etc., that people actually all agree on. And so that creates a special environment in which theories can thrive. And those theories in the hands of, you know, bad actors, and you know, most people who traffic in conspiracy theories, I would say to a certain extent, are bad actors maybe not intentionally, that's an effective way to manipulate the population. All right, but manipulate them into what? Into what? Just being fearful, turning on each other? Give me a conspiracy theory and and we'll, we'll parse it out. Let's talk about one in Romania, all right? Okay. Let's talk about a good one in Romania. All right. Uh, go back to 1989 for this one, all right? Okay. Um, all across Central and Eastern Europe, the communist regimes are falling one by one by one by one. It happened throughout the calendar year. In November, we had the fall of the Berlin Wall, we had the Velvet Revolution in Czechoslovakia, and we had a sort of modest revolution in Bulgaria, but it had the same effect. It actually overturned the communist authorities and opened the door to some type of liberal democracy and free market economy. All right, Mm -hmm. that's what happened. Romania had the same thing. It came a little bit later in December. It started in a Western city 
called Timisoara. That was the first anti-Ceausescu uh, uh, protests. Within about a week, it had moved to the capital. So we're at December 17th in Timisoara around Christmas, really just a couple of days before Christmas. We have uh, mass protests in Bucharest. Mm. We have mass anti-Ceausescu protests. Ceausescu flees the country in a helicopter with his wife, is found, picked up, arrested, put in a, a military barracks, put on a trial. This is all happening within the span of 24 hours. Right. It's, a very, it's a very busy day. It's a very busy Merry day. Merry Christmas. Or, or two <laughs> days, you know. And on Christmas Day, 1989, that same year of revolution, he and his wife are put up uh, against the wall and executed in a firing squad. And did they, I always heard, I always heard it was a ditch, but no, it's a wall. No, it's a wall. It's, yeah. in, it's a wall in a military barracks. Okay. So did they televise that? Yes. I always heard that it was televised and it was strongly suggested that everybody watch it. Yes. Uh, I don't know if it was televised live on Romanian television, but it was definitely televised at some point later, and it was televised in the United States because I saw it for myself on American television. Not really? all of the gritty details, but uh-huh. the basic basic things. Hmm. So, at least in Romania, the revolution will be televised. But uh, let's go back to conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. okay? That, to me, feels very genuine, all right? Uh, the, the people the of, rising the, up. The rising yeah. up. You know, I mean, Ceausescu was a repressive leader. He was in power for, you know, several decades. He was unique in Central Europe and Eastern Europe in his control of the society Mm -hmm. and the impoverishment of Romania was probably the worst, at least of the major Eastern Bloc countries. And it wasn't a particularly wealthy country when it went communist either, I think, was it? It always had the potential to be wealthy because of the agriculture, the oil, and the industry. I mean, it has great potential, Romania. They were a member of the Eastern Bloc. They could see and hear what was going on in East Germany, Berlin, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, Poland, all those other countries. And so it's very natural for you to think, well, the people of Romania just got tired of this guy, Ceausescu, and they rose up. They realized as one person, as one people, they are much stronger than Ceausescu, and they rose up and did it. Okay, that sounds like a very plausible... And pretty quickly. And pretty quickly. Yeah. That sounds like a very plausible explanation. But if you go to Romania and ask people, when you tell them that version of events, you sound very naive. Because people are like, you don't understand the way things work in our country. Uh-huh. This was not a popular, I'm talking about a minority of the people, but a strong, you know, somewhat of a minority. A very vocal people. minority. A vocal like minority. what we have now yeah. in our country. Yeah, I don't want to, I certainly don't want to paint all Romanians in some broad no. brush. That's not what Romanians, I want to do. we are not talking about every single person. No, there. we're not. I mean, I love, I love the country, you know, I really do. But... You'd be surprised if you if you actually just said that just the way I described it in these mm-hmm. you know terms and really proud of Romania's role in, in overthrowing a dictatorship. People would look at you like, "Are you crazy? That's not <laughs> how things work in our country." I mean, don't you understand that this was a palace coup? You know, by who? By Ceausescu's rivals within his own party. Ah. Uh... They saw an opportunity to use these popular. Rev- this is one conspiracy theory in Romania that has some adherence. It's very virulent and I think very destructive that this was a palace coup, that Ceausescu's rivals within the party, within the apparatus, within the secret police said, this is our chance to take this guy out and take control of the country for ourselves." Right. And they did that. And it's hard to debunk that. It's really hard to debunk that. And even to this day, you know, Romanian listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but even to this day, we don't have a good objective history of those dates 
that we people who believe in facts can go back and read all the what of what happened and make our own conclusion and come to the I think the 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 real conclusion that it was a big part of popular revolution and maybe a small part a very small part of a bunch of jokers in the palace who tried to harness the energy of a popular revolution to their own right they said hey this is happening Let's, could this be our chance? This could be this our chance. Right. And then it, eventually, it took some time. Eventually, they got swept aside. And now what we have is modern-day Romania, and it's on the way up and the better right. track. What what effect conspiracy theories have on, on people generally? You might say, well, uh, if you told somebody in Romania, say, let's go back to that example for a mm-hmm. second. If you told somebody in Romania, well, that was just a palace coup, that there was no you know, legitimate revolution, etc., well, you might think, okay, well, um, maybe there's a positive uh, aspect to that, uh, to that conspiracy theory because it will get people to try to push out those clowns and jokers and put in a really legitimate liberal democracy. But conspiracy theories don't work that way. Mm. Conspiracy theories serve to suppress activism. They make people more apathetic because mm. they tell you that basically... The world is relative. It's filled with relative facts. There's nothing, there's no standard that we can all agree on. And I think that in this environment gets people to shrug their shoulders. It was this way, it is this way, and it will always be this way. And what can I do? I'm one man. And there's no point, really, in in getting excited about a revolution as dramatic as throwing off the communists. (laughs) Right. You know? (laughs) We're throwing off 50 years of communism. If it was just a bunch of clowns who uh, orchestrated a palace coup and things can never be better mm-hmm. in our country, then what's the use of trying to make it better? Huh. That's my point about conspiracy. And that's why I really don't like them generally. Right, right, I make right. an exception for your podcast <laughs> because I think that what you're trying to do with conspiracy theories is pull them out of their milieu and subject them to a 360 degree observation, maybe uh, poke fun at some of them, debunk some of them, talk about where some of them might actually be based in truth. But in, in a sense, to try to take them out and look at them as conspiracy theories and not see them right, as Right, and not as new. truths. And that's, not as that's truths. The thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've, I've recently joined, in an effort to promote the podcast and get more fuel, right. uh, I've recently joined a number of Facebook conspiracy oh, yeah, theory-oriented no, no. groups. No, no, no. And I'm telling you, oh, it yeah. makes my head hurt. I had to turn off notifications for all of them oh, because yeah, of I course. realized I'm going to have a stroke yeah. if I read this every right. day. This stuff... Now, here's the interesting thing. So, like, you're saying in Romania, I know in Bulgaria that's a little bit true. I know some people in Poland who also think there are a lot of conspiracy theory ideas about uh, this and that and the other thing. Uh, Even in this country, I know people who have a certain number of conspiracy theories. But the personal reaction is there might be some personal anger, even a spike of anger for a moment. And then it does, like you said, turn into this kind of fatalism of like, <sighs> well, what can you do? I, you know, uh, on Facebook, you mentioned Facebook. I, I, I feel like I'm a victim of this fatalism myself because if I, on my own feed, if one of my friends or one of the people who follow me on Facebook or one of the people I follow on Facebook posts a link to a conspiracy theory, something about COVID-19 or vaccinations aliens. or or aliens or you know i mean anything there are lots of conspiracy theories uh, out there and um you know i will basically snooze that person for 30 days that's really my first that's my first uh, line of attack <laughs> 
And so if, if you it, haven't heard from Mark yeah, in a while, if it, that's if, why. If, if, you know, after 30 days I see it again, then I will unfollow because on Facebook, of course, you know, that means that you don't get to see their post, which right. is no big deal in this right. case. Right. And then uh, in, you know, extreme cases, I'll simply unfriend. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't feel like we have a basis of friendship. So, right. you know, in a sense, I'm one of your fatal victims, you know, of, of mm-hmm. this conspiracy theory thing because I have a very low tolerance for it, you know, mm-hmm. generally. The interesting thing is, so in Britain and America, America, what we see, and we don't see this so much in Canada or Australia, it's really Britain and America. The reaction to the notion of these conspiracy theories in, and maybe it's just because the populations are so large, but seems to not be fatalism, but come on, honey, let's get our guns and go out there and deal with this. I'm gonna, and we're gonna do a whole episode on Pizzagate, but I always go back to that Pizzagate. People say, oh, conspiracy theories are harmless. And I'm like, they're not. Because that guy went there armed for bear. He had all kinds of weapons. He may have even had grenades for all I know. I don't know, I need to do the research, but he went there ready to break kids out of a pizza parlor that he believed children were being held captive in for pedophilic purposes. And Thank God he wasn't a lunatic who thought, oh, well, Jesus, or, or became so embarrassed when it turned out he was completely wrong mm. and there are no children there. And he went, well, I'll just kill a bunch of people anyway and death by cop or suicide by cop. Instead, he walked out, <laughs> the cops were there, he put down his weapons and he went, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. And that's that. But man, that could have gone very differently. Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, I, and especially in a country like America where everybody seems to just love their guns. Or so many people seem to love their guns so much. It's weird that there's this... Like, there are people on these Facebook groups, I see the same person again and again and again, and I mm-hmm. believe, I believe conspiracy theory, that some of them are Russian trolls. Right. And I'm, I'm I believe that a lot those, of them are, you know, yeah. not on Facebook necessarily in my feed, but uh, on Twitter for sure, mm-hmm. various other places on the internet. Definitely. I, I've noticed if I, if I write in Cyrillic, Dozvidanya. Uh-huh. In Russian, yeah. uh, those people suddenly stop commenting on Are you the kidding? Thread. No. Oh. It's, it's my little trick. Oh, well, thank you. You know, <laughs> Thanks for sharing that to your listeners. I'd like to try that myself. Yeah, suddenly they go, uh-oh, we've been rumbled. <laughs> they know we're Russian. Because they don't care. Because these troll farms, one guy has 10, 12, 15 identities. And his, his or her job is to... Is to maintain you know, these things. You know, we talk about Russia now, so I'll just tell you about a Russian uh, uh, conspiracy theory that nice. uh, that is probably the foundational conspiracy theory for the Putin regime itself. You know, mm. right when Putin was taking power, we're going back to 1999, I believe, if I'm thinking and, correctly. Uh, and and just to, as an insert, this comes, this recording comes on the heels of Putin just getting the right. constitution changed so that now he can stay president until 2036. Right. So the story I'm about to tell you, um, it had it gone a different way, perhaps, for Putin, we probably wouldn't be dealing with that, that change in the Russian constitution, whatever that was. So you have to go back to 1999, Yeltsin going out, Putin coming in, all right? He's a relatively young, inexperienced person. He's not very well known in the Russian society. One of the first things that happens in 1999 across Russia is a series of apartment bombings. Two or 300 people died in the bombings. I'm not sure exactly how many, but Putin was very effective in convincing the Russian media and the Russian people that this was the work of Chechen rebels and Chechen extremists. It was one of the pretexts that uh, allowed Putin eventually to launch the second Chechen war. Mm -hmm. And that was a war that Russia actually won. And it was Russia's success in that battle against Chechen uh, rebels and uh, separatists that is kind of the foundational myth of Putin's invincibility. It kind of Uh. established 
Putin's identity as, if you want to call it, a winner. You know, even though he started the fight and then he wins it, look, I'm a winner. Well, okay, now we're going to get back to the conspiracy theory, ah. okay? Because either those apartment bombings were set by Chechen rebels, as the Russian government said, or they were simply the work of the Russian intelligence agency that wanted to bomb those apartments, kill their own people, to give Putin a pretext to invade Chechnya. False flag. Mm. You know, most experts see this now as a legitimate Chechen act of war. Okay. But there is a certain virulent strain of people in Russia. You know, again, I'm not an expert on Russia, but, you know, from what I understand, from speaking to my friends and from reading, that um, that there are, you know, a sizable percentage of the population that simply believe that the FSB set that, you know, set those bombs off to mm. give Putin a pretext to do what he did. Yeah, and of course, what a surprise that you would, in, in a culture that had was under uh, authoritarian rule for a long time that you would have automatically distrust of of the government you know right. the number one conspiracy theory in europe yeah according to study after poll after study after poll is that yeah. the 911 attacks in new york right were done by the us government yeah you know that's another conspiracy theory that i have no time for so you mm-hmm. know if you put that on your facebook page and we're friends i'm going to snooze you right um be warned so going back to that putin thing just for a second Derek, who mm-hmm. would have an interest in promoting a theory, a conspiracy theory, that it was the Russian FSB that actually did this job. Well, I think you could argue the FSB because it makes them look like they're yes. wily and, yes. and, and you might say all-knowing. Oh, uh, and by the way, the FSB is the uh, modern-day predi- uh, sort of successor to the KGB. You might say, well, this conspiracy makes Putin look terrible and would, uh, you know, obviously harden the, the opposition to his rule and, you know, would make good people across Russia, you know, really hate uh, this guy and want to put, push him out of office. But what it really does is is shows people, hey, it's always been like this. It is like this now. Mm. It will always be like this. We can never change. So there's no point in me, you know, risking my life, my profession, risking my future. Freedom. To- or my freedom to try to effectuate change because no matter what I do, it's always going to come back to this garbage that we're right. having now. So right. in a sense, it has that kind of uh, effect that I told you that it makes people apathetic, uh-huh. I think, generally. Or it, like it kills enthusiasm for positive change, I think. Uh-huh. You know, that's my basic problem with conspiracy. So it kind of like takes the kind of takes the, the wind out of people's sails. And, of course. And then they you... spend time spinning around and arguing with, with each other about this. Are the reptilians from another planet or from another dimension? We, yeah. we think they're from another dimension. You, you guys. Yeah. No, it makes you feel like a naive you know, young believer, if you, you know, like I was telling you about my, when I tell my Romanian friends how excited I am about their revolution and about the chance to build a new uh, country and I'm so excited about it. And you get that, that, that side look, that side glance. It's like, what planet are you on? Do you believe in the Easter bunny? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) So of course, again, that's another thing about conspiracy theory. Uh, People who share them and propagate them is that they don't want to look like naive idiots. Right. They want to look like they're the inside, they have all the inside knowledge, you know, right. that they're really the... And it kind of, it brings people to this kind of base level of cynicism mm. that I really don't like, you know. And cynicism is not an activating... No, not at all. ...feeling, no. you know. It's no, no, not no. inspiring. Not at all. If no, you're no, cynical, no. you're just going to go, you withdraw and you just say, me and mine. Yeah, I think it, it, you know, to a certain extent, it plays into people's natural cynicism, you know, and, mm. and you know, and it, it it's stunts people mm-hmm. from achieving 
bigger things. I, that sounds ridiculous, but you know, it sounds so naive. It does. Mark. It does. <laughs> I'm just, you know, you are just. Oh my yeah. god! No, so no, no, no. Naive. I know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> it does sound completely naive. It may seem, when you look at your social media feed or read news websites, many of which simply repeat tweets instead of writing in-depth analyses and articles, that conspiracy theories are pushing people towards radicalization, towards violence, towards hatred. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe in most of the world, it in fact just causes people to become overwhelmed, withdraw, and focus on themselves because they, in fact, inspire apathy and inaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's very fair. All right. Well, fascinating conversation, Mark. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. Thank you. Thank you for talking to me today. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for visiting The Conspiracy Clearinghouse. We're closing now, but we'll open another crate in the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening.